It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. A grand jury in Sitka has indicted a man on six felony weapons and drug charges for allegedly possessing around $150,000 worth of drug paraphernalia. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. On March 18th, Sitka police officer Richard Munier was called to the Sitka Rocky Gutierrez Airport by a TSA agent who says he discovered an undeclared pistol in 44-year-old William Scott Noel's luggage. Authorities say Noel had several felony offenses on his record, including weapons charges, making it illegal for him to possess a concealed firearm. Several weeks later, on April 8th, Sitka police arrested Noel at the Super 8 Motel and charged him for illegal firearms possession. Officer Munier obtained a search warrant after he says he found evidence of narcotics in Noel's hotel room during the arrest. During a search of Noel's room and vehicle, police say they seized a handgun, a rifle, approximately 180 fentanyl pills, over 200 grams of methamphetamine, and over 100 grams of heroin. Police estimate the street value of the narcotics at around $150,000. On April 14th, Noel was indicted by a grand jury on six felony drug and weapons charges, including two counts of misconduct involving a controlled substance in the second degree and one in the third degree, as well as one count of misconduct involving weapons in the second degree and two in the third degree. Noel is being held at the Sitka jail on $125,000 bail. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Also on April 14th, the Sitka Grand Jury also indicted 25-year-old Alex Michael Ireland on one felony count of misconduct involving a weapon in the third degree. It's always hard to find a place to live in Juneau in the spring. Lawmakers and their staff are still in town, and seasonal tourism and cannery workers are starting to move in. And thanks to a growing number of short-term rentals, this year could be even more of a challenge for people looking for a place to live. KTOO's Yvonne Crumry reports. Realtor Kelly Moore says the housing crunch in Juneau this year is worse than ever. Everybody has said that this is typical of this season, but nothing like this, nothing on this scale. And it's especially hard for people like Bonnie Lynn Parker. Her landlord at the place she was renting with her husband for more than two years told her they had six weeks to get out. Their apartment is going to be turned into a short-term rental, an Airbnb for summer tourists. Looking for long-term rentals as a local or looking for a single-family home has just been, like, the struggle of my life. She tried to ask the property owners to let them stay just until they can move into their next home. But they said no. So starting May 1st, she may have nowhere to live. We've been really, really panicking about where the heck are we going to live. Juno Assembly member Carol Treem says this issue is becoming critical. We're kind of reaching, for certain people, like a crisis level of housing here in Juneau, where there's just not enough housing. You may be thinking, why not just build more housing? Well, there are some barriers to that, Dream says, like the mountains. The city is built on the side of a mountain, so there's just not that many places to build, like where it's easy and cheap to build more housing. And then also the side of a mountain comes with a lot of risks, like avalanches and landslides. So it's even more expensive to build and buy housing. City data shows that businesses registering as Airbnbs have increased in past years. But Airbnbs are registered per business, not per unit. So no one knows exactly how many places are being used only for short-term rentals. Treem says she expects that the city government will be discussing the housing crisis 
and just how many Airbnbs there actually are in the coming weeks. Last year, the city gave a tax break for new long-term rental units downtown to try and create more housing that wouldn't sit empty as Airbnbs. But that hasn't helped people like Angelique Buzek. She moved to town in the fall to be closer to her daughter, a new grandchild. Her husband quickly found a job working IT for the university. But after five months, they haven't found a long-term place to live. Buzek has a service dog, and that's prevented her from being considered for the apartments that she has seen. And all you see on Facebook now for rentals is we need, we need, and like, there's nothing here for anybody. So far, they've been staying in shorter-term accommodations, like Airbnbs. But they don't have anything lined up for May. She says her plan right now is to get a tent and find a place to camp. In Juneau, I'm Yvonne Crumry. Researchers from New York State were in Sitka, Petersburg, Juneau, and Cordova last week gathering information on salmon gill netters as part of their study on sleep deprivation. The Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety is a nonprofit that's funded through the Centers for Disease Control to come up with solutions for work-related issues with fishermen, farmers, and forestry workers. Currently, they are working on the relationship between commercial fishermen's sleep and health. The research team is on the tail end of their data gathering. They already have information from scallop fishermen in Massachusetts, Dungeness fishermen in Oregon, and salmon gillnetters in Alaska. They're studying inshore lobster fishermen as the control group because they just go out on day trips. Julie Sorensen is the director of the research center. She spoke with KFSK's Angela Denning while she was in Petersburg and says there is a lot of research on shift workers like truckers, but nearly nothing on fishermen. Does having an erratic sleep schedule affect their you know, ability to get good sleep when they're not working. Or years from now, if they've had erratic uh, sleep schedules you know, in their past, as they get older, is it harder to sleep? And then how does that affect their cognitive decline? Does it affect their memory? Does it uh, affect other aspects of their health? So we're looking at cardiac health, we're looking at kidney function, we're looking at many, many different things. And I think what we hope to, to do is we'll, we'll look at associations between Uh, you know, some of the things that they've experienced and their health outcomes. And that'll be a basis for kind of doing a deeper dive in the years ahead, you know, how those two things intersect. But, you know, I think through this initial round, what we hope to do is take that data back to the fishing community and say, well, this is what we've learned so far. So now what do you think is the next logical step? And so specifically gillnetters? Yes, yeah, salmon gillnetters. And the reason for that is in our uh, work with partners like AMSI, they felt like, oh, probably salmon gillnetters have one of the most erratic sleep schedules, so that might be a good group to focus on. I think what we're learning uh, through the research is that the fisheries are really fluid. So if somebody might fish for salmon, be a salmon gillnetter, but then switch to another fishery. And so it's really hard to kind of say, you know, that person is just does that. Uh, so that's one of the things we're learning in the research. Yeah. What are some of the questions that you're asking the fishermen that you see? Yeah. So uh, we're asking them to talk about sleep schedules, uh, work schedules. We're asking them to talk about nutrition, how they caffeinate, uh, strategies they've developed to stay awake strategies they've developed that uh, help them sleep when they have time to sleep. Questions like, you know, what are some associations you see between your sleep and your health? What are things that you worry about in relation to your health and sleep? So those are questions, some of the questions we're asking. Some of the, the additional data we're collecting are things like BMI, vision, 
hearing, glucose levels, uh, cardiac health, respiratory health, those are all collected as part of the health assessment. There's increasing research on how sleep is so essential for your, your brain health, your cognitive health. And so, you know, sleep is important. You develop waste products throughout the day and, and your downtime, your sleep time is your brain's time to kind of clean out that waste and kind of renew for the next day. It's also an important part of your ability to remember things. So, you know, when you're going throughout your day and you're experiencing different things, those things get stored in your hypothalamus. And then when you sleep, they get transferred back to the neocortex, processed there, brought back to the hypothalamus. So, you know, those stages in your sleep cycle, light sleep, deep sleep, REM, those are all important for processing memory. And so I think people feel like, oh, you know, I, you know, I can do without it. I, you know, learned to do without it this long, but I think more and more we're understanding how important sleep is. Um, but what we hope to do is once we uh, analyze the data that we've been collecting, we want to share that back with the fishing community and participants. And one way we'd like to do that is to have like a webinar or a training session that would be live and interactive. So we could say, well, this is what we learned. And there are some solutions that we think might work for your specific fishery. And then it also gives people a chance to ask questions or ask for clarification, because sometimes research can be very confusing, right? Like as researchers, we talk about an association. So this exposure may be associated with this outcome. It doesn't mean that that caused that, but you know, it's possible. And so we have to do more research. So that just gives us an opportunity to kind of explain the results in a way that's accurate and that people can understand. Julie Sorensen is the director of the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety. She says they hope to finish analyzing the data this summer and be able to share some of the findings in the fall. Taking a look at the community calendar. On Tuesday, April 19th, U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan will deliver his annual address to the legislature. You can watch a live stream of Senator Sullivan's speech on our website, kcaw.org, beginning at 11 a.m. Registration for the Sitka Seed Library, located at the Sitka Public Library, is now open. All are invited to register and check out all kinds of seeds to take home and grow. Donations of saved or purchased seeds to share with the community are also accepted. No library card required. For more information, call Margo at 907-747-4020 or email margo.oconnell at cityofsitka.org. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Thank you.